0: Hi, I'm Mark Bittman. Welcome to food. Couple of reminders here, you can always email us at food at markbitman.com. We love to hear from you and we will respond. Also, please check out our fabulous new website, markbitman.com, or you can find us at bitmanproject.com. More on that in a sec. What we published on Bitman Project this week was a piece on reviving your stock and doing soup as a kind of daily project, sort of like Stock is the new sourdough starter. I wrote a little piece on fake meat and why we don't need it, and um, also on salting vegetables, but a little detail about when and how for each kind. In case you missed our podcast episode last week, you can find that also on our website at bitmanproject.com. That was an interview with the great Mavis J. Sanders. So you can subscribe to our three or four times a week newsletter newsletter Also at markbitman.com or bitmanproject.com. And um, we hope you will. And please subscribe to this podcast as well. And rate us wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, back in a sec. Well, it's Valentine's Day, so we're doing an episode about not love, not sex, but chocolate. Stupid, huh? Maybe. But it gave us a great opportunity to collaborate with our friends at the wonderful Dandelion Chocolate. Kate and I have both been friends with these people for years. Um, We're talking today with Greg DeLessandre, whose job title, he says, when you work at a small company, you can call yourself whatever you want. His chief sorcerer, not sorcerer, sorcerer. Greg has loved chocolate his entire life. In college, he was the chocolate guy because he always had it readily available. Plus, uh, yes, it's true, he made liquid nitrogen chocolates in his dorm room. He was that guy, which you'll hear about. And as of today, he's been to 35 chocolate-growing countries, hundreds of suppliers, where he sources cacao meats, growers, And learns everything he possibly can in order to both quench his never-ending thirst, or let's say hunger for chocolate, and to help Dandelion make some of the very best, best best-sourced chocolate out there. You're going to learn a ton from him, and you're going to laugh, too, because he is a hoot. Here we go. You know, I don't think we've met, but I've heard about your job, and you have, like, one of the most enviable jobs I ever heard of. Your job title officially is Chief Chocolate Sorcerer or Sorcerer at Dandelion. And we are both big fans of Dandelion. We've visited a bunch of times and really like their stuff. But so what does that mean, Chief Sorcerer?
2: Well, I mean, that's what happens when you're at a small company. You get to make up whatever title you want. You end up becoming <laughs> a sorcerer. Um, <laughs> but uh, Thank you. First of all, it's really great to be here. It's, it's exciting to talk to you. And I've, I've always been a huge fan of your work. And so it's great to be here. Um, yeah, my my uh, role at Line is I spend my time um, meeting with, traveling around, and talking to co-producers all over the world to try to build relationships and find the best cocoa that we can use at Line to make great chocolate. It means that last week I was in Thailand, and tonight I'm in a hotel room in Amsterdam. In about another month, I'm going to be in the Dominican Republic. Could you say a little bit what it looks
0: like? Or Like, are you going out to farms? Or in Amsterdam, you're not going to farms. You're dealing no, with yeah. middle people, I guess.
3: Greg, before you answer that, yeah. I'm so sorry, because I know you hear this. I'm I'm sure you hear this all the time. But all I think about is Oompa Loompas. And <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, yeah, well, this is the thing. So you mentioned Oompa Loom- but like there's this there's a lot of fantasy around what does a cocoa farm look like and you know who grows cocoa the thing i love about cocoa is it's grown all over the world from places as diverse as taiwan hawaii tanzania madagascar sierra leone haiti you name it any place in the tropics basically grows cocoa. And so this means that there's a very sort of diverse set of cocoa producers out there in the world. But, you know, cocoa is like, there's some producers that are very scientific about it. You know, they use inoculation much in the same way wineries would to make sure that they're using just the right uh, set of uh, microorganisms to ferment and and dry the cocoa beans. Um, and then others, you take the cocoa and you put it in a pile on banana leaves on the ground and you let it ferment with the wild microorganisms in the air and you call it done so there's a range of what people do in terms of production of cocoa and one of the things that i spend my time doing is meeting people learning more about what they're doing but also because i've been to 35 cocoa growing countries um visited hundreds and hundreds of cocoa farms, I spend a lot of time when somebody's looking for more information. I don't necessarily always have it, but I'll say, oh, you know, I was talking to a guy in Brazil who was running into some of the same challenges you were. Maybe the two of you should connect and you'll probably be able to like between the two of you work out more details. And so a lot of what I'm also doing is sort of pollinating ideas across the world and really sort of like connecting people to each other so that more people can work together and those connections can sort of breed better products, better ideas and and sort of more interesting things.
0: It'll feel like it's missing if I don't ask this question. And that is what is sustainable and fair sourcing mean in the cocoa
2: industry? That's a great question. So cocoa is um, or can be a commodity. It's traded on the commodity market. Right now, Like, and when I say right now, I mean literally today, there's massive volatility in the cocoa market because cocoa's, there's about 5 million tons of cocoa produced annually in the world. 70% of this is produced in Cote d'Ivoire and Ghana, which are two countries next to each other in West Africa. So that's the, the majority of the cocoa in the world comes from those two countries. And because cocoa is a commodity, and to be really honest, it's a very cheap commodity. So up until a couple of months ago, the world market price for cocoa was uh, right around $2,400 a ton. This price was was more or less stable over the course of the last 50 years. There were some ups and downs. But if you think about it, inflation has gone up all over the world, and that, that includes the, the country's cocoa grows in. So if you're still making a product that 40 years ago was about twenty four hundred dollars a ton, and today it's still twenty four hundred dollars a ton, hmm. uh, that means all of your other expenses have gone up, but you're just not making more money from the main product you're growing. And so I, I I break sustainability up into a couple different sections. First is financial sustainability. So this is this is to say, not just is this a product that. People can grow, but is this a product people want to grow? Because it's, it's a better option for them than other things they can, they can do. When you talk about financial sustainability, the, what we at Deadline focus on is we don't treat cocoa as a commodity, but instead what we say is it's a product. So when there's somebody we want to work with, we like what they're doing. We like the cocoa they produce. They give us a price and then we pay that price. We don't go and tell them, well, it's commodity. The, pri- the commodity price says it's $2,400 a ton. So we're going to give you $2,400 a ton. If somebody walked into Dandelion's shop and said, hey, you know, chocolate bars go for about $3 a bar. So I'm going to take this bar and I'm going to give you $3. And I- I'm going to walk out of your store. That'd be insane. But that's kind of what happens to cocoa farmers all the time. Is they're told, this is the price I'm going to give you. You don't have a say in it and I'm going to take the cocoa. And so from a sustainability and an ethical sort of perspective, one of the things we think is really important is to try to bring some of the sort of power and balance back into balance. And part of that comes with negotiating or, or listening to pricing from cocoa farmers instead of the other way around. Instead of telling them, hey, we're going to pay you this, you don't really get a say in it. And I think that's a huge part of it. And when people talk about deforestation with cocoa, A lot of that stems from, well, if you're not making enough money, you have to make more money. And the way you make more money is you grow more cocoa. And the way you grow more cocoa is you clear land to do so, right? It's not a thing that people want to do or do lightly, but what are your other options? And so we really believe that more money in the cocoa supply chain is just a critical and necessary aspect to ensure that um, some of these things that farmers are driven to don't necessarily have to happen. And the thing that's going on right now that I think is really fascinating is, up until a couple of months ago, the world market price was $2,400 a ton. As of today, it's $5,700 a ton. Now, think about that. That is not a thing that happens in commodity markets pretty much ever. So we're talking actually at a really fascinating time. And as I'm at this conference in Europe, it's all anyone's talking about. And the reason the market price has gone up so high is because Ghana and Ivory Coast had a down year for the last year and they're expected to have a down year this year. Ecuador is an El El Nino year. Ecuador is the third largest producer of cocoa in the world. They're having a down year of production this year. So there's not enough cocoa to satisfy demand. So the price is skyrocketing. But there's this, this, this sort of part of the conversation is like, is that a bad thing? Like the cocoa price has been so low that I think from my perspective I think it's really good that cocoa prices are going up. It's causing a lot of sort of chaos, but it's not a bad thing. It just is like there's this question of how do you account for it? And even as a chocolate maker ourselves and our prices are going up for cocoa and we're not angry or upset about this, you know, this is a a, a thing that like we feel like it's important that cocoa farmers are paid good money for the work that they do. Um but it's a question of like how do you react to this and how do you work with it? And so like a lot of the chocolate industry, people will see across the board, I guarantee chocolate is going to be going up in price over the course of the next year.
3: Is it less supply or more demand or both?
2: It's both less supply. So demand has been going up every single year, but because of weather, and when I say weather, specifically climate change, this is like like when people talk about the impacts climate change will have, it's here, right? You know, and, and because of the impacts on the weather and climate change and that the weather impacts really are around erratic weather, not necessarily it's too hot or it's too cold. It's that the rainy season isn't rainy and the dry season isn't dry. And so it's very difficult to grow crops when the weather is, is very erratic and cocoa is a very sensitive crop. I think there's a, there's so much beauty about cocoa, but it really is a very delicate flower and tree. And so when you have these erratic weather patterns, you, you get less cocoa from the trees. And so this meant that Ghana and Ivory Coast, um, Cote d'Ivoire, both had a lot of lo- a lot less cocoa. And so now suddenly there's a huge amount of demand and not enough supply. And because the price was so low, it's not like there's been more and more people coming into the cocoa industry because it hasn't been tempting for them
0: do we dare ask you what it takes to get the cocoa bean into a edible chocolate? <laughs> I know it's a super complicated process, but since you're asked all the time, maybe you can answer it quickly.
2: So the whole process is, I think a, a, an amazing one. Um, first, I'll say cocoa trees are a really beautiful tree. They're very like Dr. Susian. Like you, you, like when you see a cocoa tree, it doesn't look like it's uh, like the kind of tree you'd imagine. It's got like branches going in sort of strange directions. And it has these huge pods that are growing on the trunk of the tree. And the reason, of course, for this is the pods themselves are very heavy. And so if they grew at the end of the branches, it would break the tree. And so this is called cauliflory is that the pods grow on the trunk and the sort of thick branches of the tree. Um, in order to take the pods off the tree, you have to do it by hand. There's no mechanic, mechanized way to do this. It is using a machete or um scissors to cut the pods off. There's a very very manual crop and this is part of the reason it's so expensive to harvest because everyone does it by hand. You then crack the pods open and um they're about the size of a football. I should say an American football. Yeah, I've seen them. They're amazing. Yeah, they're really amazing and they come in a, a, they come in every color of the rainbow and they're oblong a little bit like an American football as well. And then you crack it open and inside, it looks like you've just opened up an alien. Like it's this it's this, like this like comb of like white seeds. You know, it doesn't look like a, a thing that you've ever seen before. It doesn't look like any fruit you've ever seen. And one of my favorite parts of cocoa is if you then take those seeds that are covered in fruit and pop it into your mouth, It is a sweet tropical fruit that tastes a little like lychee and tastes nothing like chocolate. Mm. It's a really, it's a beautiful fruit and the sugar in that fruit is what then drives a fermentation process. So you take all the beans out of a pod and you put them in a wooden box, put them in a pile on the ground, put them in a barrel, you put them somewhere that you're going to end up with a two stage fermentation process. The first stage the sugar in the pulp is converted into alcohol and heat. And so, um, and this is so yeast does this. And so, and this just creates alcohol and heat. In fact, you can drink this alcohol. I would be lying if I said I haven't drunk it numerous times. Um, it, it's, it's very tasty. Um, uh, but, th- but what you're also looking for is acetic acid bacteria, then convert that alcohol. With oxygen, they convert it into acetic acid or vinegar, if you will. And that acetic acid soaks inside the beans, starts breaking down the proteins and creates all these flavor precursors. And then you have to dry the beans to stop that from happening. Because if you just let that continue to happen, acetic acid is very acidic and will just break the beans down completely and you'll have nothing left. So you have to really time this. There's an art form to timing this to get just enough fermentation breaking down those compounds just enough and then dry it out. And now you have fermented dried cocoa beans. And this is what dandelion will get in its factory. How do you know when to stop the process? You know, it's it's sort of like asking a winemaker, how do you know when, when your wine is done? And the answer is cocoa farmers and cocoa fermenters, this is what they know. They know how to taste the beans and to, uh, to smell the beans. And, and there's a thing called a cut test where you cut a set of beans open and then you look on the inside of the bean and you can see how much of the bean has been fermented. Mm. And so from that, you can predict if you're done or not. In general, it takes about seven days. Cocoa is also a little complex because there is this anaerobic phase where the yeast is creating alcohol and, and heat. And then there's this, this aerobic phase where you need oxygen to create the acetic acid. So the beans need to be moved around. They can't just sort of sit there. You need to be able to get the injection, the oxygen injected and that sort of thing. But a lot of it comes down to the skill of the fermenter. And there's so much skill to it. I think a lot of people think of a farmer as a person who goes and picks something. But when you're talking about cocoa, you know you have to pick at the right ripeness so you have the right amount of sugars in the fruit. You have to make sure that you're opening the pods in such a way that you're not harming any of the beans. You have to ferment and dry the beans in such a way that you're creating beautiful flavor. There's an enormous amount of skill involved in this process. And you can imagine in the countries, I talk about countries like Sierra Leone, one of the poorest countries in the world. So there's not an enormous amount of tools or information available and so a lot of this is done by people who have learned it from other neighbors or people who have learned it from their from their family and i just have so much respect for cocoa farmers around the world for all of this very complex work that they do and this is why it's worth paying them more money
0: stay tuned for more from greg the chocolate sorcerer kate and me
3: That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.
0: We're all drinking more water these days, and we're all concerned that we're drinking safe, clean, unpolluted water. Yet, according to our friends at the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in the United States have harmful contaminants in their tap water. That's why it's worth checking out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. They remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and are specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, you know, those forever chemicals, in your water supply. PFAS, by the way, is found in almost 45% of U.S. tap water. AquaTrue has water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher capacity under-sink options. Their proprietary purification technology is independently tested to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAS, nitrates, and many, many others. Today, listeners to Food with Mark Bittman receive 20% off any Aquatru purifier. Just go to Aquatru.com, that's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U dot com, and enter code Bitman at checkout. For 20% off any Aquatru water purifier, go to Aquatru.com and use the promo code Bitman B-I-T-T-M-A-N. Have you ever bought something, owned something that really inspired you to up your game? A tennis racket, a new pair of running shoes, a new piece of cooking equipment that made you just want to cook your brains out. I know that when I first started cooking on induction burners, I just couldn't stop. It was so much fun. When we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Some of the features that are available on this car include dynamic sky panorama glass roof, front row massaging seats, you know you want that. Available 33 inch all-terrain tires, which you will want when you check out the multi-terrain select. These are really great features, the kind of features that will make you proud and happy to own a Lexus GX. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Do we want to talk about theobromine? Oh my God, I would love to.
2: Theobromine's (laughs) a really interesting one. Uh, I, in fact, in my house, have a vial of theobromine that was extracted by these two doctors in Belize. Who, you know, they, they do all sorts of crazy, uh, sort of work with fruits and extracts and tinctures. And, um, they, they got, gave me this vial of pure theobromine when I was in Belize. Uh, I was actually with Francis Lamb. Yeah. He, at one point, he and I were traveling in Belize together and we had this vial of pure theobromine and we're like, what are we supposed to do with it? it because so it's a stimulant, sort of like caffeine. In fact, it's only one carbon group off from caffeine. And as I understand it, your body, when your body metabolizes caffeine, it actually breaks it down into theobromine before breaking it down further. So it's like one of the steps of breaking down caffeine and chocolate has, and cocoa has caffeine as well as theobromine, but there's something unique about when your body has both caffeine and theobromine, you don't get the same, the same sort of like, spike of stimulation i i've said stimulation too many times now I, I know but i'm gonna i'm gonna just keep going um you don't get the the, the same spike i mean you sort of talk like you're on theobromine but okay yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> uh i am trust me i've had a lot of chocolate today um but like uh so so you've had this you you so 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 caffeine you get this like this sharp spike which is why people you know take it but then you get this crash and with theobromine, it's a much smoother curve where where it doesn't you you don't you don't feel the effects as quickly, but you feel the effects longer and there's not really a crash at the end. And it's something very unique about chocolate and and theobromine in it. So so at one point I had this vial of 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 this white powder that I was told was theobromine and I believed them. Um, <laughs> I, you know, it, 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 there was, there was a handwritten, there was a handwritten sticker on it that said theobromine. So, I mean, I'm sure it couldn't have been anything else. Um, and we, right. and we were like, what do you do with it? And they were like, well, you know, like, it. It, it's yeah. Okay. They, 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 they said freebase was, was actually what they said to do with it. Um, <laughs> And uh, <laughs> not being super experienced in freebasing, um, I uh, um we we yeah, I I I, I put some tong- some on my tongue. And while I didn't there there wasn't any sort of they also said be very careful because the amount of theobromine in that vial would easily stop your heart. And I was like, Wow, thank thank you. Yeah, it's exactly. a little scary. Like, yeah that's that that's great. Thanks. But uh, the funny thing about it was There, it didn't. It didn't feel like there was a rush or anything. um, But I didn't sleep for like two days, and I wasn't tired. I just didn't (laughs) feel like sleeping. Like it's a, it's a wild stimulant.
3: Okay, I have a question that is two pronged and might seem like it has an obvious answer, but you know, you could surprise us. Do you like chocolate? Do you like to eat chocolate?
2: Oh, I. Okay, wait. So what's the second half?
3: The second half is. Do you like shitty chocolate? And I should (laughs) say, I'm (laughs) I'm asking that because Jennifer, my good friend who you work with at Dandelion, loves shitty chocolate.
2: I know she does. (laughs) So first of all, I truly love chocolate. I mean, I really do. I've loved chocolate my whole life. Um, When I was in uh, college, I was known as the chocolate guy because I always had like chocolate around so I used to make these like liquid nitrogen truffles in college, which were fantastic. I mean, freaked people out a little bit because, you know, this was like well before liquid nitrogen as a cooking ingredient was used very heavily. But so, like my whole life, I've loved chocolate. It's and so I I I studied engineering, I like worked in tech, I worked at Google, I did all these things. All I ever wanted to do was work in chocolate. And so when I met Todd and Cam, who started Dandelion. Uh, I was so excited to work with them on this because it it was just this thing I always want to do, but mostly because I love chocolate. I will try anyone's chocolate. Um, I have a chocolate bar in front of me from a new maker in India that they fermented the cocoa beans with ginger in the ferment and then added candied ginger to the, be- the, the bar. It's phenomenal. Mm. And so, yeah, so I love chocolate. I love chocolate in all its form. I love milk chocolate. Dandelion focuses on two ingredient chocolate where we make dark chocolate so we don't add milk or other ingredients to it. Um, But that's not because we think all other chocolate is terrible. That's because that's where we want to focus. But I love um, all kinds of chocolate, including... I'm not going to call it bad chocolate or crappy chocolate. I'm going to call it cheaper chocolate. Um, But like uh, when I fly, I always have a bag of M&Ms with me. (laughs) <laughs> i there's something that's nostalgic about it i love the crunch in fairness i usually refer to it as a candy rather than a chocolate that um, seems, but uh,
0: that seems rational
2: yeah but no i i really do i i um, i love a toblerone i'm a big fan of toblerones uh Ritter sport you know there's a lot of different chocolate out there that um that i'll eat
3: what about a baby ruth
2: Oh, oh, oh! Now you're gonna get the candy bars. You know, candy bars aren't my thing because there's just too much sugar. I like, I it's like I I I don't know. I I don't maybe it's because I've gotten older, but I don't know that I can handle that much sugar anymore.
3: Like I'll have a craving for chocolate, but it won't be. It's not like oh, I can have dandelion or a Snickers. It's one or the other. It's it's very yeah. specific, right? Like it's two different foods
2: for sure absolutely when like I, I sorry I, you can imagine I'm on airplanes like a good portion of my life and when I'm on an airplane I always have like a really nice chocolate bar that you know a friend who makes these like lovely beautiful high-end bars has given me and then like yeah m ms or a Kit Kat or something like that and I always have both because you're right it's it's not like I want chocolate and anything will satisfy that craving it's like sometimes you want the the sort of like sweet milk chocolate kind of thing and sometimes you want the like more kind of like rich, satisfying, dark chocolate.
0: I mean, I think Dandelion really did teach me about, you know, the difference between 70% and 85% chocolate versus sugar. And I, I really did learn a lot about that stuff the first time I was there, which was, I don't know, seven or eight years ago, probably. Um, Amazing. Maybe longer. But um, yeah, when Kate said baby Ruth, it did I did think I could,
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah my, my first the first like bite of food for the day for me is often chocolate and sometimes it's chocolate to taste for a professional reason and sometimes it's chocolate to taste for an amateur reason but like you know it's it, it's often the first thing i eat in the day um you have a new project do you want to talk about that well yeah so so there's a couple of things um i i, I wanted to mention we're also putting on a chocolate festival in San Francisco um, at the end of April called the Craft Chocolate Experience, where we have chocolate makers coming in from all over the world to come to San Francisco. And so I wanted to mention, um, because I think it's uh, one of my favorite things to do is try new chocolate. And so bringing chocolate makers together is something that I, I, I really enjoy doing. And so, um, so far, we have about 50 chocolate makers from 20-ish countries um, coming to San Francisco at the end of April. Wow. I'm excited about that. Uh, there's a lot of new things we're working on. Um, I'm actually out in Hawaii now. And so one of the things that I've been working on is starting to put quality and standards in place around Hawaiian cacao. This is something that is really exciting. Uh, just today, um, Hawaiian cacao, as I mentioned, um, won three gold awards. But one of the things that's go- that becomes really important when you have like, you know, Hawaii grows 80 tons of cocoa a year Which sounds 80 tons of anything sounds like an enormous amount, but 80 tons of cocoa is considered a tiny amount. And so one of the things we really want to do is make sure that we're giving everyone the tools they need to figure out if their cocoa is good and what to do with it and how to use it and all these kinds of things. And so this is one of the things I've been really um, putting a lot of time and effort into and, and it's been really exciting to work on. I also am starting to work with some other cocoa producers to help them sort of do sensory analysis and again, figure out how to get the best out of the cocoa, which um, the thing that sort of they're shooting for and I'm trying to help shoot for with them is how to get the best money for their cocoa. A lot of this really comes back to how do you get more money in the hands of more cocoa farmers all over the world. And so it's one of the things that I'm really focusing all my time around is uh, working with cocoa people everywhere. Uh, So it's that kind of thing that I think really gets me up in the morning, gets me excited.
3: I was just thinking about how Greg is one of the few people I know who actually followed his passion.
2: <laughs> I you know, it's funny you say that. Like, so I, I was working at Google, you know, um, as one does. Uh and uh when I left, I can't tell you the number of people that I used to work with who are like, we need to talk. They're like, How did you do it? How did you get out? But I understand why people don't do it in part because it's scary, but in part because like it was a little easy for me. I love chocolate. I knew chocolate was a thing I wanted to do. I've been saving up money to work in chocolate. Like this was a thing that I was very focused on. And I think for a lot of people, they have something they enjoy but it's not quite as like cohesive as like wanting to be in the the chocolate business. But, you know, I have to say one of the things I love about the chocolate business and I think when you mention like sort of following your passion the thing I love about being in the chocolate business is the people in chocolate. But I think it's because they're just like me. They're all like people who have gotten into this because this is the thing they love. So so it's kind of like that's how you find your, your set of people is you work in something that you really love. And then you'll end up working with other people who are working the thing they really love. And it turns out you got a lot in common then.
0: That's really great. Ready for the last question? I'm so ready. We ask everybody this. But you might have an interesting answer. Um, let me ask it in two parts. Where were you last night, Amsterdam or on a plane? <laughs> I was in Amsterdam last night. So the question is, what did you have for dinner last night?
2: Oh, uh, well, that's a, that's a great question. So I went to this chocolate festival, Chocoa, has a dinner that this Venezuelan chef made like a cocoa-themed dinner so um i uh, I went to dinner with uh, a number of friends of mine from start to finish it was it was really interesting. there was like a tartare made with cocoa nibs um the uh, I knew I, we'd I, get some crazy answer <laughs> i mean it's but if you ask if you ask tomorrow what i'm gonna say is I had a beyond burger sitting in my hotel room right <laughs> you know, but fortunately, you're asking about last night um you know once there is a like not chocolate-themed restaurant, cocoa, as in, like, the whole pod, every part of the fruit, but, like, chefs and restaurants that really use cocoa to its fullest extent. I think that's when people are going to really end up opening their eyes to to sort of, like, what else is out there other than what they're used to thinking of as chocolate.
0: Really sounds fun. Um,
2: okay, I think we're good.
3: We
0: had no, fun. it was awesome to talk to yeah, you. It was really I fun. love yeah. the
3: dandelion. I just love the dandelion team so much. Yeah, the
0: people are great.
3: Thank you, Greg.
0: Thank you. Thanks for everything. Thanks for your time. It was really fun, and um, we'll see you sometime.
2: All right, see you soon. All right, have a good hey,
3: one. Thanks, yeah. Greg. Bye. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you to Greg Lalesandre for joining us today. You can find him on Instagram at I'm going to spell this one. It's G D A L E S A N D R E G Delisandre, and you can find Dandelion on Instagram and Facebook at Dandelion Chocolate and at their website, dandelionchocolate.com. We're sharing Dandelion's maybe the very best chocolate chip cookies recipe on bitmanproject.com, so the link will be in today's show notes. You'll find links to many other interesting things on that website, including last week's podcasts and a file of other podcasts, our ever-growing recipe archive, some terrific articles from the last few days and much more to come. Thanks again to Greg for joining us. Thanks to my producer and co-host Kate Bittman and to our engineer, Davis Lloyd, who always does a great job. Uh, And thank you all for listening. We will see you next week when we will have somebody incredible. Bye for now.